Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Forest Spirituality with me, Julie Brett. Um, I've got an interview for you today with my friend Ollie, who I went to school with, and um, he's been travelling around Canada um, looking at eco-villages, which I think is something interesting for all of us interested in nature spirituality, um, because it's a, a way that people are experimenting with living closer to the land and more in flow with the seasons and with um, being self-sufficient and kind of stepping out of the mainstream of society. So yeah, he talks about some of the experiences he's had in his journeys with that. Uh, a couple of little announcements. Um, next weekend, or coming this coming weekend, um, on the 20th of May, I'm going to be um, down in Adelaide um, in the hills there at Mylaw for the English Ale. If you're in Adelaide, I really hope you'll come along. It's a really great day out. Um, there's lots of free events um, through the day. There's all sorts of English uh, folk traditional um, activities on, like there's uh, an ale means a, a meeting of Morris dancers. So there'll be lots of Morris dancing and um, there's also Punch and Judy for the kids and there's a cider stall and they have a big parade with lots of um, costume um, um, yeah, displays, I suppose, um, going through the parade. It's really quite an amazing sight to see. They also do a huge ritual um, and a Burning Man and that's all free. Um, in the morning I'm going to be um, presenting a talk. They do a Druids of Oz um, talk there every year and um, this year I'm going to be talking about my book Australian Druidry and yeah just explaining a few of the ideas and telling some stories about how that book came about so I hope you'll come along if you're in the area and see what that's about. We might even have chance to workshop a bit of what the wheel of the year is like in Adelaide so I'd love you to bring along some of your ideas about that what that means to you and um, yeah, we'll we'll have a good time. You do need to book for that one if you want to come along. It's between ten and twelve on the Saturday morning. Um, you need to email info at spiraldance.com.au and make your booking. It's uh, just ten dollars. There's also a concert in the evening. It's twenty five dollars, and it'll be Spiral Dance and Casey Guy. And I think there's some other things happening as well. But, um, yeah, it's re always a really great night out, good party, and that's $25 too. But, uh, yeah, the whole day is just so much fun um, and there's so much happening. It's really worth it. And there's heaps of friends from Sydney that are coming down too and I'm excited to see all people from all sorts of parts of the country there. It's going to be really good fun. So, yeah, I'm also bringing my jewellery down. I'm going to have a, a little stall there. So if you'd like to see my jewellery in person, um, then come into the town hall. I'll be in the, the main, uh, like, reception area in the hall there with a couple of other interesting market stalls that are also going to be there on the day. So, yeah, um, I've also got uh, some other things coming out. I just thought I'd give you a, a list of the things that are happening in the next few months. In August, um, I'm really excited to be going along to the OBOD gathering or the, the OBOD Australian Assembly. Um, if you are a member of OBOD, it's uh, going to be fun. I've It's going to be my first one. I've been a member of OBOD for a really long time, but this is the first one I've been able to go to. 
So I'm excited to be going to go to that. Um, I have offered to do a little talk on my will of the year, so I'm going to be doing that too. So I, I hope that goes well. And I'm looking forward to seeing you there if you are a member. If you're not a member and you'd like to find out more about it, I really recommend it. It's a great course. Um, you can find out about it at www.druidry.org. If you'd like to find out more about the event itself, you can find out that at www.druidryaustralia.org. So, yeah, there's all the info there for you to book if you'd like to come. Um, I've also, I'm also going to be doing a talk at the AWC, the Australian Wiccan Conference, and that's in September from the 15th to the 17th of September. And if you'd like to find out about that one, which is a coming together of not just Wiccans but all sorts of pagans, um, but it's run by Wiccans, so it gives you a, a flavour of what Wicca's about but also lots of different traditions there and they're calling it to, uh, I think it's to summon, stir and call the up um, and they're focusing on invocation. So I'm going to be going to do a talk on... Um, Amagene and the the song of Amagene and how we can use that in ritual um, to make our practice uh, more connected to the land that we are in. Uh, and I'd love to see you that as at that as well. So that's awc2017.com, um, and it's going to be held somewhere in between Canberra and Sydney. So um, yeah, there's a a bit of travel there, but I'm sure if you get onto their Facebook site, you can find someone to road trip with and have a good time doing that as well. It's always fun. Last thing event-wise is um, DDUNG, the Druids Down Under National Gathering, which we are loving, lovingly calling Dung. Um, uh, it's a regenerative um, term that we have unfortunately um, found as the acronym for our our event, but we're embracing it um, lovingly. Uh, but Druid Stand Under National Gathering is going to be a, a coming together of people from Druidry from all around the country um, who are practising doing their Druidry in an Australian landscape. So um, you don't have to be a member of any of the organisations. Just be curious about what Druidry is about and have an interest in doing it in the Australian landscape. Um, it's yeah going to be really interesting. We've got lots of different speakers coming and lots of people from around the country involved with hang, um, helping that run smoothly. So it's going to be good fun. Last thing, I've uh, I have got a new book out. It's called Australian Druidry: Connecting with the Sacred Landscape. And um, if you'd like to get a copy now, you can do that via my website. You can look at juliebrett.net. Or you can go to my jewellery website, which is www.forestspiritjewellery, spelt J-E-W-E-L-R-Y.com, and buy one there. Um, it's just $12, or you can get a one with a T-shirt too. Um, yeah, so the book has been getting great response. I'm really excited to hear from all of you that have been letting me know about how it's been going for you and what you've been getting out of it. It's really touching to hear what everybody's been sparked to do because of those words written on a piece of paper. It's really fun and I'm really looking forward to sharing more of it with you at these events coming up. But let's uh, get into the talk. Without further ado, here's um, a chat about permaculture and eco-villages and maybe there's some ideas in there about how 
our nature spirituality could help inform the cultural aspects of permanent culture in permaculture. So I hope you enjoy it. Hi everyone, I'm sitting here with my friend Ollie and um, he's just been over in Canada for a full year, right? Yep, a yep. full year. And you've been doing the eco... Uh, what have you been doing? Tell us what you've been doing. Okay, well, I spent eight and a half months of the year at an eco-village on Vancouver Island called Our Eco-Village, O-U-R, which stands for One United Resource. And you can Google that and have a look at all the different things they do if you're interested. And I did their regenerative living course, which is a living course that was four months of school and four months of work trade and practicing those things that you learnt during the school time. And the things we uh, learnt were permaculture design, permaculture teaching, uh, some different bits and pieces around sustainable agriculture, eight weeks of natural building, so going through different parts of a building and then looking at conventional ways of doing it and the sort of ways that that buildings work and then applying that to natural materials and then we built a 20 meter 20 meter square garden cob for the garden manager to come and live in like once 20 it's finished meters by 20 meters no or no, no 20 no, square meters 20 square okay, meters yeah. so like four by five meters. Yeah, okay, yeah, right. yeah um so that was that was the the natural building applied part and we yeah and then I worked on a wastewater project for 200 people that that closes the loop there so that was that's the the um eco village in a nutshell closes the loop yeah so the everything in the wastewater is all processed on site oh okay so not connected to sewage oh and instead of just pumping it into a leach field which is like your septic traditional septic okay way they um which then, I mean, it's I don't I'm not a wastewater engineer, so I can't really tell you like exactly. Yeah, so just you know, layman's terms, you know yeah. more about it than me. Well, yeah, I mean, I can't say exactly what the negative effects are, but okay. I can say that when you put it into a closed loop system like they did, where it is um, pumped back in in through drip irrigation into the orchard, oh, okay, right. then it's not just going into the land and then grass growing on top. It's yeah. like going into the roots of 500 perennial plants and trees. That yeah, really being the, useful. Yeah, yeah. And, and then those those trees, you know, you harvest them and they go into the, the commercial kitchen that they have there mm. or they go into the CSA, which is the Community Supported Agriculture. And so all the nutrients that have been collected through the way, the black water, which is the sewage, and the grey water, which is like your dishwashing, dishwashing and showers and yeah. stuff, um, all ends up back in the soil. And it's really useful over there because their summers are really dry. And so the, the plant, the, the trees just, the water table drops at least six feet from the winter to the summer. What does the water table mean? So the water table is like how far like the the soil is fully saturated oh, okay. underground yeah so like out here where we are or on any any bit of soil you might it might get saturated during rain but then when it when it stops raining there'll be a level where the down you dig down enough you'll eventually come to a place where the oh, soil is saturated okay, right. and in the summer in on vancouver island the water table would drop at least six feet 
if not more. So meaning you have to dig down further to get to the water. So yeah, but that okay. what it means is the water disappears out of range of the roots of the trees. Oh, okay, right. So, so you have to water them from the top. Top, yeah, because yeah, right. it's really hot, and then you got to water them. But this way, with this drip irrigation, yeah, yeah. it goes in a foot underground, mm. so it doesn't evaporate. Yeah, right. And yeah, so that's so. Let's backtrack just a little bit yeah. for anyone who doesn't know. Can you just explain what ag- uh, permaculture is? Okay, so. Permaculture. It means permanent agriculture, right? It it that's the original meaning. Oh, okay. But but now it's kind of expanded to mean permanent culture. And oh, okay. The reason for that is, which we did discuss a little bit yesterday about, commu- intentional communities disbanding mm-hmm. after. It's okay, just explain everything that you've said before again. It's fine. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like so pretend I've got a really bad memory. <laughs> all right. So um, when. What they realized, what people realized that were working in permaculture as permanent agriculture and they're building up these food systems and regenerating land and, and creating a sustainable way of, of living on the land, um, they realized that maybe they're producing food and they're not, using, they're not creating waste and all that kind of thing, but at the same time, people weren't getting along necessarily. Yeah, right. And so... This idea of social permaculture, which is helping people get along, connect with themselves and then connect with others, um, is grown out of permaculture and is now just as an important part. And that's why there's the redefinition from permanent agriculture into permanent culture. Because beyond the social stuff, then you're also developing rituals or traditions or whatever. That's fascinating. Mm -hmm. I, I, yeah, I sort of didn't quite catch what you were meaning yesterday um yeah so so what kind of things are they implementing with that like um rituals what kind of rituals well just whatever 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 works whatever comes up you know so even if it's just a particular way of harvesting or or some sort of social thing around a particular harvest or yeah which is something that's so having like a party for the first tasting of the cider or something mm-hmm. like that. Or, yeah. And yeah, just like creating an agricultural ritual. That's mm-hmm. fascinating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. So it could be something that they borrow from something that's already documented. Yeah. Or it could be something that you just make up because it works in the particular environment that you're in. Yeah. yeah. Well, I can imagine, yeah, pagan ideas would mm-hmm. have a lot, you know, of crossover with that because that's what we're all about. Right. <laughs> that's what yeah. we do. Yeah. And, yeah. it, and, and it helps people to, to get along. Like there's the, the basic, it's funny because small businesses or businesses, business ideas and intentional communities both have a, apparently, I haven't seen any like literature on this, but the anecdotes I heard is both of them have a 90% failure rate. Yeah, right. So it's not, it's not something that's, you know, just restricted to intentional communities Mm. but there's a lot of complexity in there and you need often communities are held together by a few linchpin people Mm -hmm. that know how to coordinate the difficulties between the other people that are living there and help to teach them um, how to to be together so for me like I did by the end of the eight months finally connect with people on a deeper level like um but I had my difficulty with being there in terms of the social side of things was on the cultural side of things was there wasn't much physical culture around doing any sports, mm. which is my big, my background. Yeah. And it doesn't really matter for me. Like 
it can be throwing the frisbee around or kicking a ball around. It can be hiking. It can be swimming. It can be anything. It just mm. is something. Yeah. And um, just for fun, rather yeah. than like gardening and building. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, and there was music there. People played music a lot, which was good for me because I play as well, and that was something I could immediately integrate into, no problems. But mm. that physical expression in the environment was something I missed. So I really, that was some, that was this, then I had this story that I couldn't connect with these people because they didn't do the activities that I liked. Yeah, right. Even though in terms of alignment about the earth and um, healing the earth and the work they were doing on the infrastructure side and um, other side, other aspects of what was going on were mm. completely aligned with me. Yeah. So, so what, what was the community structure like at the place that you were at and were there problems? Yes, like, there, there were, were... Like, did they listen to you when you said, I want these things? Like, how did that work? Yeah, so they, um, they had a, a governance structure that was um, concentric circles. And, okay. Yeah, and so they basically they had a model. They had a governance structure that they'd fleshed out. They understood it wasn't... I mean, maybe we should go back just a little bit to, to the idea of um, spiral dynamics and... Um, Probably not going to. Sounds good. Yeah, probably not going to do the do it that much justice. But in in, if you can imagine a spiral that changes color as you go through it. Yeah. But then imagine that it's not actually doesn't have a beginning and an end point. Yeah. And it's and it also you are all parts of the spiral at at the same time. Yeah. And it changes color, right? So. It's, it's a model for explaining or describing societal evolution. Yeah. And that's like how the structures within society change. Yeah. So this is a perfect, like, um, another way of explaining. The, one of the difficulties I had was I was like, how can it all be the same and nothing at the same time? And we're, we're all part of it. And because it's, it's drawn in a picture that has a beginning and an end on the screen or whatever. So yeah. you have to get your head away from like have, from what we've been taught and understand that it's impossible. Well, maybe it's not impossible, but in the way we were seeing it, it still had what looked like what we perceive yeah. as boundaries. You've got to grasp what infinity is to mm-hmm. be able to understand it, don't mm-hmm. you? Like in finite, not no edges. Mm-hmm. No. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the spiral... Um, has the colors yeah. and and basically it it starts with the individual and then it goes into tribes and yeah. then it goes into more organizations and like the Roman Empire and then it goes into oh okay like the evolution yeah, of human of society societal structure yeah. interesting and and then it and it says there's basically like positive and negative um, and neutral parts of of all of the structures like mm. you know the government structure which is a blue color. Like it has wi- widespread organization, it's it's has a high level of justice, and um, so forth. And then, um, then the the green meme is. So so this is like so the spiral is an idea of the evolution of mm-hmm. human social Soci- development. Social, yeah. So looking at sort of different truths through yeah. time. Yeah. About how we should act as a society. Or how we have that... acted. Yeah. It's yeah. a model, and yeah. and knowing that like within. Within a say, a, um, I think the orange meme is like the, the 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 like the Viking plunder society kind of thing. Yeah. Within that, there's still a bit of blue, like there's still governance. 
Yeah. But like the main function of that society would go in and it would like not integrate with other societies and it would it would be dominated by this meme of of aggression and plundering, but it still had governance in there and it still which was blue and it still had um, organization and engineering building the oh, ships, okay. but that the red. Oh, so so your rainbow and your spiral is like different parts of that can be taken out to create a society. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. but it's, you have the dominant colors within yeah. within any society will have like a dominant color within it, but every part exists, and then it it goes to green, which is like a lot of what the world's in now, where it's like, oh, we should all be equal. Um, and the reason I'm I'm not enough of the world, this, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but being everyone being equal doesn't yeah. work either. Yeah, right. Like there has to be um, leadership, leadership, and mm-hmm. there and and supportership, and there and there has to be everyone's well, a, a recognition of people that have learnt things already and people that are yet to learn things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody's on a different stage. Yeah, and children can be leaders. Yeah, you know, like when I was at the on the eco village, the Freya, one of the girls that grown up there, she's nine. Like she taught me how to do all the animal chores. Yeah, right. Because I had no idea. It's not that complicated, you know. It's like feeding them this food at this time and do this and do that. And so it's not, yeah. Yeah, but she surgery. could have been an expert in yeah. that. Yeah. And she's nine, and she's teaching someone that's yeah. like thirty-five. Totally. So, but then other times when it comes to like using computer software, then I'm the leader for her to teach her how to use stuff and. Well, the GoPro, she was using a GoPro to start making documentaries, but oh, she yeah. didn't know how to use it, and I've used them a lot. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that that's the... So all this comes back to the, the way the village is set up because they recognize that even though where their world is largely a green meme where everyone's equal, yeah. you still need to have some sort of, like difference between so what are all the colors so you said blue is government and green is like green is is equality and then it goes to turquoise or teal and then it goes to yellow oh so like not like a normal rainbow no just like they've made their own color yeah and apparently like some people say that the only people that are in yellow which is like the ultimate state Mm. is only like so that's like enlightenment community yeah (laughs) apparently there's only like a few people on the earth at any given time that are ever dominated by yellow. Yeah, right. That's what they say, or this one person says that I read. And I what did, what characterizes it? Just being. Just being everything and nothing, and completely oh, okay. in touch, and just like completely whole. Yeah, right. But we're moving towards teal now. Um, and is that something in between governance and and community or or equality? It 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 incorporates. Is it like in between blue and green? No, it's beyond, it's beyond it on the... Oh, okay. So if you're thinking linearly, it's above that. Okay. But, like, again, you got to remember you can rotate this spiral anywhere in space <laughs> that, like, up or down or side to side. It's not like um, above is, like... Again, we'll have to check it out. It sounds yeah. pretty complicated. Where can people find out about that? I just... Well, there were people at the, in my course that had just finished degrees in government, like, political economy. Yeah, right. Okay. That had studied spiral dynamics as part spiral of Spiral dynamics. Yeah. That's what they should Google yeah. if they want to find yeah. out. Yeah, cool. They'd studied it as part of their university course at yeah. University of Victoria, British Columbia. So it's part of, like, curricula. Yeah, right. Um, but right, you can okay. Google it. Yeah, yeah, I will. Yeah. Sounds really interesting. Um, so anyway, let's get back to Governance. permaculture and sort yeah. of what the point of these communities were and um, 
yeah, so what, they, what was they, the purpose of them? So they have a governance. I'll quickly finish off the governance. Yeah. So they have a structure that acknowledges that we're not all equal mm-hmm. and the, the amount of energy you put into the community gets you further and further into being mm. able to make the decisions. So they had, they had, they had hold them hearth keepers and the hearth keepers had seriously spent like 10 years and money to, um, to be part of the community. And not all of them were there, but if they had to make an ultimate decision on something that was really important they would all be involved in making the decision. How many of them were there? There were 10 or 12. Wow, that's quite a lot of people to get on board with an idea. Yeah. Yeah. So I won't go into the details, but then out from that, I was like the second or third ring in because I was there by the end of the year. I was there for a year and I was teaching other people coming on and I was part of like running the site and everything. And so then I could talk to my team leader who would then present to the hearth keepers. So it was like I was mm. only like the third step away from the people oh, in the right. middle. Oh, right, so you had an idea and you could put it to the next level. Level, and, and he would represent the, me. Yeah, right. Yeah, right, he would represent good. me. So, um, but then if you came on for one day to do volunteering... Yeah, you, no. You, if you had an idea and everyone thought it was amazing, then that yeah. would be pretty lucky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and then they also included people outside the village in that in their governance so mm. they included like then they would Venn diagram stuff over yeah. like the municipality and then the the um community elders from the first nations and stuff mm. would would have a certain amount of sway yeah um further in towards the center of the the circle the concentric circles even though they didn't live there yeah their opinion was taken into it yeah because yeah, they were really the good. custodians of the land and mm. and so forth so that's that's a bit how the the government run that sounds runs. really interesting and the purpose of the village was to be a demonstration site. How many people lived there? Just not enough. You go into that. Yeah. Um, it th- when I left, I think there were, there were twelve people overwintering. Oh wow! Yeah, and there's one main family that were there, but the village is zoned by the local government to have nine family houses. Oh, okay. So yeah. a lot more. Yeah, and yeah. when they get more, like it's my belief and opinion. Oh, so that they haven't got the houses to house to put people in. No, um, they've yeah right. They've got their, they've got the zone dwellings. They've got they built the commons first. Apparently, mm. if you have a community and you don't build the commons first, and everyone builds their private houses first, then like the impetus to actually get the commons built is uh, yeah. really low. And yeah. then the the thing to understand is with the commons there they can generate income yeah because they have a commercial kitchen for events they have an eatery for 150 people for events they have a dormitory so they can sell week-long programs to universities and schools yeah to come they have airbnbs to rent out they have the wood shop for people to build professional wood things and like carpentry and then sell that yeah so they have like a gallery and a restaurant i've always thought that would be such a good idea yeah so they haven't they're waiting for someone to come on and go, yes, this, uh, these facilities are going to suit me. This place suits me. I want to be use the kitchen yeah. to, to, to run a business and I want to build my house here. Yeah, right. And it's reasonably cheap. Just like, go find that one person. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> and they just finished all the commons. Yeah. So it's all built now. Yeah. And now all their energy is shifted over to the um, community and they've just drilled the second well, which is the well that will supply the water to the community housing zone, which is towards the rear of the property. Um, so that's how many, that's the, the answer to the question, how many people are there. Yeah. But it's basically 
right. It's a demonstration site. So yeah. it's based around people coming to experience um, different things, whether whether it's spirituality, whether it's working with the North American First Nations on on particular things, whether it's to come and learn how to do permaculture, whether it's to come and and see David Wolf speak, or oh, yeah. cool. they had um, Patch Adams. He's coming next year, I think, or this year. Okay. So he's that that famous doctor that uses humor. Oh, you know, okay, right. the movie that um, Robin Williams yeah. acts in called Patch Adams. That's okay. an actual doctor. Oh, really? Yeah. So they yeah, get... right. I was thinking, I don't know. That's a movie or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't know that. So they they do they do um, yeah they do different things, all those different things. So they're looking for people to come in and create businesses, and then and then people to to. The garden, the food forest is establishing now that we built the wastewater. Those trees will grow. They'll produce more. And then all then it'll be tending towards a more mature permaculture system. Mm. Like They've got all the walnuts in, but they're still too young to produce any fruit. But there's like oh, okay. 25 of them and there's yeah, all this stuff. Yeah, and at some point it's just going to go boom, yeah. productivity. Yeah. yeah, and then it'll... It, so it's and gonna, then it'll be all like, yeah, special food stores and... Mm-hmm. Agriculture and you know, fruit box deliveries and yep. the rest of it, <laughs> which they already do jams and things. Yeah, to yeah. keep their oh, okay, they're to already get, doing. It. They do it to mostly to to well, they want to have the veg to the food production there. Yeah. To demonstrate it, but also it it has a benefit of giving them tax breaks for being a farm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. so they so that's the that's the long and short of of the site. Yeah. And it's open seven days a week. It sounds amazing. How long have they been doing it? 13 years to get to that stage yeah and it's yeah right so it years. takes a long time to get going yeah and all volunteers yeah wow how no. much like how much does it cost somebody to go and like you know buy a, a chunk of that and be a part of thousand it? canadian oh seriously yeah. that's hardly anything yeah amazing and a job opportunity too yeah so you would what a potential model would be was you go you go there you buy in for a hundred thousand then you come up with your plans for your house and then they get approved by the council and then you can build it and you totally it's totally open for you building um using the volunteers oh, to, wow. to build. Yeah, right. So you could run workshops and courses, you just have to balance the cost of them having the volunteers on site um with with your house. So mm. um and then you And that was what you were doing. So were you helping people building houses? Yeah, well we built we were building the garden manager's house. So they're hoping that someone will come. Well, they're basically creating a space for a garden manager to come and live there for eight months of the year and and manage the, the garden. Mm. And that doesn't have to be someone who uh, wants to live there permanently. They can have someone come in for a season and, mm. and do that or come back and go for the winter and go and do something else and then come back in the spring and yeah right continuously come back and mm. yeah. yeah so that's the house that we that we were working yeah, on yeah right mm-hmm. nice so how did you find out about this how did you get into it all well it all goes back to like around 2010 and my mum wanted to order a book off amazon and she couldn't work out how to do it because she didn't have paypal and all that stuff so she basically asked me to help her and I ordered this book called The Hand Sculpted House, which is written by a man called Yanto Evans, who's a Welsh... Hand Sculpted House. Yep. 
a Welsh, a Welsh guy that lived in the US because he moved, he was working for USAID and he moved to the US because in the 70s everything was happening on the West Coast there and it wasn't happening in Wales. Okay. Um, or as in hippie this stuff. kind of eco yeah. building stuff, yeah. People doing things differently. Mm. And, um, hippie stuff. Yeah. <laughs> hippie stuff. <laughs> Alternative ways of living that people were actually really investing time into. Yeah, you know? yeah. And um, because everybody on the West Coast of the States is like, it's all new, you know, like there weren't so many traditions to hold people back. And mm. it was Mexico all the way up to Canada until like 1852. What do you mean it was Mexico? Like the Western coast of the United States. Yeah. Belonged to Mexico. Really? And and the United States of America was like this chunk. It's about a third of the size that's all the old Ivy League things wow. over the other side. That's why all those Californian cities are called San Jose, San Francisco, because it was all Spanish. How did that? Like, what? How did they I, end up taking it over? They just did the. It's just the American way, isn't it? Yeah, Take right. something over. I don't know the history, but yeah. But there was check out. It was new, you know. Like it was not restricted by these old cultural. Yeah. Um, well, the, the like in Wales, so many of the houses already are made out of all the natural materials mm-hmm. anyway. So yeah. It's not like so he went doing back. anything revolutionary in Wales no. sometimes. He went back and learnt that stuff <laughs> yeah. from Wales and then brought it back to the. Um, to the states, but it was that book that got me going, and then yeah, cool. Um, and then I did some workshops in Australia, and they were building cob, but because the book is based on cob, but it the cob that I saw here was all um, approved, whereas this guy was just a full rebel squadron out in the middle of nowhere, yeah, doing right. it all. Um, the you know real like pioneer, yeah, and the stuff here was. Basically, people would build a stick frame house and then they'd infill the walls with cobs, so it all met the the codes and everything. Yeah. And so I wanted to see these houses with the crazy curved walls and oh, yeah. all the enclaves and building every the furniture into the yeah. to the walls. And I, in two thousand and fifteen, I got invited to two weddings in in BC on Vancouver Island, and I knew there were houses on the island, so I went looking for them. And it was midsummer and. The only place that was open or had people at home was this. Oh, really? That's how you found this them? place. Just driving around randomly in no, another I, country. <laughs> I wrote emails to everybody on the okay. on the on the Cobb registry for British Columbia. Yeah, right. And they all said, "Go to our eco village. There'll ah. be people there. They'll be in mid swing in the middle of summer. There'll be courses." And yeah. So I went and volunteered for three days in between yeah, these right. two weddings and saw all the buildings and sort of shared my st- story of not being happy working in environmental consulting and um, yeah. met a guy that had been working in the environmental regulation of the tar sands oil fields, like oh, basically wow. greenwashing that. And he's like, I just couldn't do it after, after a while. And I left and found this and it changed my life. And then went back home and sat down at my desk and went, okay, I'm going to do this. And mm. that's basically how I came across it. And yeah. it all goes back to mum not being able to buy a book online. That's awesome. Yeah. I love your mum and her books. Yeah. I, I'm just going to share again that your mum gave, uh, you gave me mm-hmm. in art class a picture book with Celtic mandalas on it. Changed my life. Which was, yeah, which was from my mum. <laughs> your mum's book collection must yeah. be magical. It's, yeah, it's magical and it's massive. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Yep. Very cool. So um, what are your plans now that you're back? What are you going to do? 
I think my plans now that I'm back are just to explore what's going on here, mm. to find, um, after being in that, that space and seeing a lot of, t- of smaller towns on Vancouver Island and then on the West Coast, like down through Oregon and um, Washington and California, just seeing how things were set up there. Because they had you go around to lots of different places. Oh, I just did that afterwards. Oh, it was just your choice. It wasn't yeah. part of the course? No. Oh, okay. But I, they, did you like get in contact with them through the course or they're just sort of a network with these things? Uh, some of the people I met Oh, okay. that came to teach over the summer at the village. Yeah, right. And then I basically went through them, visited them, and then they would put me onto other people in the same cities and stuff. Yeah, and nice. I would, and see through that. So I, I did that and explored... And now I'm back and most of my adventure and experience has actually been overseas. Um, so now I'm looking to continue over here and just see what's happening over here. Yeah. Like from, you know, and there's plenty of people out there doing things and the more I ask, the more yeah. people come back with, oh, I have a friend that does this and then you're mm. in touch with them. And so I'm going to spend some time on the road between, you know, the South the border with Victoria and well actually there's even stuff on going on in Victoria mm-hmm. um, so probably yeah from like central Victoria then out to the coast and then up all the way to towards southeastern Queensland because there's yeah a well around up. Byron area there's heaps of stuff mm-hmm. to find I'm pretty sure there's a mm-hmm. lot of stuff going on there and there's an eco village in Corumban I think yeah and there's one in Gosford yes and yeah, and yep. there are people trying to set up more all the way along the coast. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you'll find heaps. Yep. And it's, I, I feel like every second person that I speak to is keen to live on one of these things. Mm-hmm. I feel like that we're on the verge of a new kind of society. Mm-hmm. There'll be groups of these little mm-hmm. eco-villages. Yes, and what we need... healthy, yes. And what we need the most is is we need... Well, I believe... I haven't seen anything but yet here, but... There's going to be a need for social permaculturalists, there. yeah, because the the actual like permaculture infrastructure and everything is pretty mature now. After mm. what has it been like forty years? Yeah. So it's forty years, and they've people have like David Holmgren's gone away and spent decades doing stuff and observing and then documenting it all. So that's all quite mature. But this whole like making sure the community gets along. Yeah. Enabling them to get along and to understand themselves um, is is going to be definitely a huge part of it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it's a difficult part. It's the part that takes the most experience. Mm. So, and yeah. hopefully it'll become easy. Well, it will become easy. As, yeah. as people have more experience, it will become easy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, we d- I'm just imagining a world full of these eco-villages would just be so incredible. Mm-hmm. With all those people that hate their desk jobs. Yeah, I'm looking for something out. Yeah. It's like, come, yeah. <laughs> be free. Let's yeah. let's make our own vegetables uh-huh. and collect fresh water. And, <laughs> and the kids... The and kids. make enough money making art for each other and creating beautiful ceremonies and enjoying ourselves. Mm. And the natural buildings, the kids can do it. Yeah. The kids love stomping around the mud. They might not get that much mm. done with their little feet, but you don't have to separate them out and have them do something different. Or they yeah. can do the sculpture on the walls and stuff like it's it's yeah. really not having earmuffs and dust masks and eye protection on. Not that that's like a bad thing when sometimes you need to cut certain things, but like for the bulk of it, to have it just free. Yeah. And bare feet. Yeah. In the building well, site. if you can. Yeah. <laughs> if yeah. it's safe. 
yeah. yeah. It's nice to be so in, in connection with the earth and to build your own home, mm. you know, not feel like you've bought just another plastic thing. Yep. yep. It's really amazing. And we're all, the funny thing is like, we have whatever it is, 900 mil high bench tops, mm. but like the height range of humans in oh, our yeah. society is like from what, four and a half feet to six and a half feet. Yeah, you can custom build your houses. Yeah. So. There's 60 centimetres of variation between most of the people that live here, yet we all have exactly the same bench height. Yeah. Like... Bed sizes, sofa sizes, everything. Mm. Yeah. So... Yeah. Yeah. More more personalised everything. I think that's the way the world's going. We're so sick of mass production. Mm -hmm. Let's make it more real. And you don't have to have so much... Everything take up so much space. When you you customise it and you make it round and, Mm. and everything, you... You don't have to have like big square boxes with big, like the hallway taking up this whole space where you can have, you can design it in a different way. So yeah, I guess just get on the road and connect with people here. Yeah. So if people want to, I don't know, if somebody's setting something up and they want to say, hey, Ollie, you sound like you've got some interesting ideas. Mm-hmm. Come and see us. <laughs> yes. Can they email you somewhere? They can. So they can email me at, okristovic at gmail.com that's o-k-r-i-s-t-e-v-i-c at gmail.com and I will have a website up sometime in the next couple of months I'm still working on it and what are you going to be offering like consulting Uh, type yeah I guess at the moment like what I can offer is sharing stories and um not so not so um dry as consulting no (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I, I've got, I've got some like, some I haven't let go completely of the fact that I was a consultant for yeah. five years. I need to come up with a new word for it. Um, uh, an earth storyteller. <laughs> nice. I need to find um, a different word, but again, I've, I've got this foreign context, so I'm looking for Australian context. Yeah. Now, but I can still, I th- still think I can share my experience with people and point people in the direction of things that I've already come across which will be on the blog, on the website anyway, as I develop it. But um, that's what I can offer for now. And then I can come and learn at other people's places. If they have a place that they want, they're open for people to visit, then I can see how things are being done over here. And Yeah, um, just all get more from each other and share mm, everything. Because I've got the whole year of of resources and um, there's, you know, there's plenty of stuff that's, open source you know there's a one more example is there's a recode oregon which is a website that collects or recode washington i can't remember but they collect um all of the new appropriate technology infrastructure and then they put the plans in so the website and they write everything up in a structure and they write up the jurisdiction or the municipal laws that go along with it and the problems that it solves and Everything. So then you, instead of going, oh, we need a wastewater system and we don't know where to start, you can go oh. and look at like, you know, six different states the... in the US yeah, right. that have all had government approved things with all of the approvals and everything and plans all written in English. Mm. And then you can go, oh, okay, that's how they got around that. That's how they got around that. Because yeah. a lot of the things come down to the same um uh, criteria worldwide like biochemical oxygen demand for wastewater or you know they can Canadians use primary tertiary and primary secondary and tertiary treatment which means the same as primary secondary and tertiary treatment in Australia 
Mm. Like it's the same terminology, you know. So then you you don't have to do so much work from scratch, and you can go and wave it around in someone's face at the local council and say, "Hey, like, here's eight U.S. states that yeah. all do this, and here's the engineering." And yeah. and they and then their their planners and engineers can go, "Oh yeah, well yeah, we can totally work with this. It meets the yeah the um the yeah, licensing so the agreements. That. Yeah, yeah, that's really great. They have licenses from the EPA for all of the wastewater stuff, so you can mm. match it all up." So that's that's what I can offer, I guess, like just insight at yeah, this point. Yeah, and, and how to get around all of the difficult red tape of mm-hmm. it all. Yeah, yep. awesome. And I'd like to have other see other people's insights that have been doing this in Australia, where mm. it's a different ecosystem and different soil and different timber and different seasons. Different seasons, different yeah. Cycles. That's yeah. it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks for that. That's oh, really interesting. Welcome. Is there anything else you want to say before we finish up? Or is that... No, that's good. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I'll see you out on the road. Yeah, awesome. Good luck with the travels. Thanks. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Ollie about permaculture and eco-villages. Um, I think that there's a lot for us to offer um, these kinds of villages in the way of permanent culture, our um, Australian understanding of the land here through our nature spiritualities whether that's druidry or different forms of shamanism or witchcraft or whatever it is that we're looking at um, really help us to tune into the land and the cycles of the seasons Um, also different ways of community building and creating rituals and I think that that's something really beautiful that we might be able to offer these communities so if you're thinking of getting in touch with Ollie I really hope that you have some beautiful sharing to do there and that it enriches all of your lives. Um, Yeah, looking forward to seeing you at these events that I've got coming up and I'll see you at my next podcast, if not in person somewhere. Bye.